Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. This morning I'm going to share a little bit with you about my title of the message is A Moment with Mary. And I was thinking about, you know, it's Mother's Day, I realized that. And you think about the person that Jesus found to be the mother of his son who would be brought into the world. And her name is Mary. So I would think that since he's a pretty good judge of character, you think he's a pretty good judge of character? That he would make the right choice. Amen? So I thought we would just spend a moment with Mary, talk about her a little bit this morning, and then, um, you know, we can just see how that applies to our lives. And I believe it will apply to all of us, not just women or, or mothers. But uh, Mary was born into a poor family in a little town called Nazareth. And back then, during that time, Bible times, it was a very insignificant town. As a matter of fact, um, there were only like about four to sixteen hundred people that were there. Now, some say four, between four and five, but I saw some others that said maybe up to sixteen hundred. So let's just say there was a small town, insignificant, and you say, well, why do you say that? Well, how many of you recall the dialogue between Philip and Nathaniel? And Nathaniel, when Philip went to Nathaniel and said, you've got to come and see, I believe, it's, I believe it's the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Remember he said that? Why did he say that? Apparently it didn't have a good reputation, did it? Anything good. Well, we can think of a couple of good things that came out of uh, Nazareth. Mary's number one and Jesus is number two. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. But um, she was not popular when she was there in she was probably not voted the most, you know, likely to succeed in life. But while people were probably looking at her in a different light, there was somebody from above looking at her life and being delighted in what he saw in her. Little did her peers know that this Mary, this virgin Mary, would be the one that Isaiah was talking about some 700 years prior to this, saying, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. And little did her peers know that God would use her to be the role model for teenagers, for young women, single women, wives and mothers. And that's exactly what she became. And so we see some qualities in her, some character traits in her that will help not just women, but everyone. Because you see, God saw something in her that he wanted to use to do a mighty work. So let's go to Luke's Gospel. And let's uh, pick it up in chapter 1 and verse 26. And let's just read a little bit about Mary. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, didn't God know that that was an insignificant city? Didn't he know that that's how they felt about Nazareth? But no, that's, he saw that and sent someone, an angel, to visit this person. To a virgin espoused. Notice the word espoused. It means engaged, espoused, betrothed. 
a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art thou, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And cast in her mind what manner of that salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and his, of his kingdom. There shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived the son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God shall nothing shall be impossible. For with God, everybody say with God, God. nothing is impossible. And Mary said, notice, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Wow. Can you imagine just being Mary and having that happen to you? Being in that position at that young age and this here occurring? Well, before I get into it, I know that every time we have a service like this, a Mother's Day, Father's Day, whatever, these are the most difficult services to prepare for as far as preaching is concerned. Because there's so many scenarios that exist. First of all, we gather together, and I'm sure there's someone here that maybe you were not able to have a child, and maybe a Mother's Day is something that's painful. And so you're trying to understand that and understand how that person would feel. As a matter of fact, some have told me I stay away on Mother's Day because it's too painful and it hurts too much. Then, of course, you have the situation where maybe you lost your mother through death. It could be even an old age, natural dying. Could be a car accident, maybe at a young age. Something like that occurred. And so Mother's Day becomes painful as well. Also, you could have lost a child as, as well. You're a mother and lost a child. In some cases, there's been miscarriages. In other cases, it could be sickness and disease that took the life of a child. Uh, it could be an accident. It could be an overdose. It could be suicide. I mean, the list goes on and on of the different scenarios that may exist among people when you have a crowd like this. And so you want to be mindful of that. You want to be sensitive to that. And recognize you're trying to reach to all these different situations in people's lives. Then you've got the possibility maybe the mother was abusive. Or the child was rebellious. And so the Mother's Day message then, as far as they're concerned, is not a great message. Maybe something they don't want to sit through. But you're trying to reach out to see to it that you can touch the hearts of all the people here. And that can only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then you have a situation, let's just say, uh, like, if you recall, many years ago, I don't even remember how many years ago, Chad Varga was here. 
And Chad got into some of the schools and sharing Jesus. But he has a book out based on his life and how he grew up. He grew up in an extremely dysfunctional family. At a very young age, his parents divorced because his mother was addicted to alcohol and drugs. And she was an abusive mother. He remembers even from, a, from the age of two what they went through and his sister being four, what they had gone through. He remembers how on one occasion, for example, his mother turned on the hot water in the bathtub as he was very young. And that's all she turned on was the hot water. And the water was beginning to scold him and he jumped up to try to help himself and stood on the edge of the, the tub and was holding on to a, the wall because it was, his feet were already burned so bad. Thank God that the ant came over and went in and rescued him, took care of his feet and, and helped him. There were times when during the night they'd get pulled out of bed because the mother had to get her fix. Threw them in the car and took them down to the nearest crack house. Brought them in, put them in a room while she went and did her thing. Had to get her fix. Also, he remembers nights when she brought men into the house. See, see, she had to pay for these, her addiction, and so she gave her body to do that. And he remembers as a young man listening to his mother in the next room with these men. He grew up in that atmosphere. And then one of the worst things that ever happened to him was this. He tried to defend her on many occasions. On this one occasion, she was so strung out on the drugs, she didn't know what she was doing. She pulled out a butcher knife from the kitchen because she was mad at her, just mad. And cut him so deep in his arm that she hit the bone. He had to go running out of the house. She chased him with that butcher knife until finally he can get out of the house so he can outrun her and escape it. She was really trying to kill him. She wanted to kill him. Until she came back to her senses, then she realized what she did. So when you think about Mother's Day, you don't think about mothers like that. Long story short, it's a better ending to the story than the beginning of the story. But my point is, there are many different scenarios here. And you try to reach out to touch every heart, to minister life to everyone, no matter what their situation might be, to be effective in helping them get through difficult times. And so... A moment with Mary, once we want to discuss some of the qualities or the character traits that's seen in her life that God saw that we can all build our lives on. As well as, like I said, if you're even a teenager, and if you're a single woman, if you're a wife, you're a mother. And the first characteristic we want to point out is her moral convictions. She established moral convictions in her life from the very beginning. We know that she was about 15 years of age uh, when Gabriel came to her, but we also know that she was a virgin. And during those days, they married very young. To ensure their virginity, they married very young. She was a spouse to Joseph, and basically what that means is she was actually married to Joseph. You see, being a spouse back then wasn't like being engaged today. You were engaged as spouse, betrothed to a man. You were actually married to him, but you never consummated the marital relationship until further down the road. Could be a year later or whatever. But technically and legally, you were married to that person. As a matter of fact, look at Matthew's gospel where we can see this. 
Now the birth, this is in your notes, and so just write it down if you like. The birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused, betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her what? Her what? You see, they were considered married legally. Her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was mindful to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, no, no, you'll notice, put her away, put her away in other translations is divorce her. Divorce her is the terminology. Some other translations use that. He was going to, as a just man, divorce her privately. But while he thought on these things, in other words, what he was going to do, behold, the angel of the Lord, now stop right there, who? The angel of the Lord, could be Jesus himself, appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David. No, notice how it keeps identifying him, son of David. She was also of the family of David. But here, son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So we see this characteristic of her. At an early age, she established the standards by which she would conduct herself or live her life. That she would live her life in moral purity, and that she would not in any way violate that conviction of her life, not crossing it over, even though she was married to this man. You see, the consummation took place sometime down the road, if you understand uh, Jewish and Hebrew mar marital relationships and how they're established. But anyhow, that's another subject. I want you to see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, because here's a standard that is established and set for us by God, as far as all of us is concerned. For this is the will of God. People want to know what the will of God. Well, what's the will of God? Even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. And so we see here that, yes, she was tempted like anybody else could be tempted. They were tempted like anybody else could be tempted. But she established in her own life the boundaries that she was going to set for herself that she would not cross over, and that was her moral code of conduct. And that was one of the things, of course, that Jesus saw in her, was pleased with in her, delighted in her, and, of course, she was the prime candidate for someone to fulfill Isaiah's prophecy. Number two, she was also, and this is important, an ordinary woman. Ordinary. Look in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 29 and 30. And when she saw him, this is Gabriel the angel, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Just like any young person would be, just like any ordinary person would be, she was afraid of the visitation from the angel. So she was just this ordinary person. She wasn't someone that was wealthy. She didn't come from uh, money. She didn't come from a political background or anything like that. She was a common person. Some say she was a peasant person. That's all she was. Just an ordinary person. She wasn't like some say the this divine 
a person of divine origin or anything like that. She was just an ordinary person, not a person of influence in any way. But she feared God. She feared God. She also feared this angel that visited her. Well, you know what? An ordinary woman that God used to do an extraordinary thing, we find in Mary. Now, why am I saying that to all of us here? Whether you're a woman, whether you're a man, no matter who you are, you can be an ordinary person. That's all it takes. He can do an extraordinary thing to each and every one of us here. All we need to do is give ourselves to him, just like she gave herself to him. And what God saw in her, he will see in you as well. He'll use you, an ordinary person, to do extraordinary things. And we need to view ourselves that way. Number three, very important about Mary, she was a deep thinker. A very deep thinker. Look in uh, Luke 2, verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. To ponder means to think about something carefully before you make a decision to do something. And so here's this person, this young person with this visitation. And she was one who would think it through. And even afterwards, she would really think about what is going on. Did this really just happen? Did I just see an angel? Did he just tell me that I'm going to conceive? I'm going to have a child without knowing a man? Whoa. Look at verses 34 and 35 of chapter 1. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? I would say that's a legitimate question, wouldn't you? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Wow. Put yourself in her position and think about the magnitude of what she just heard. I got to think this thing through. I mean, she was right. Uh, uh, look, I don't know a man. How can I have a baby? God himself is going to send his Holy Spirit from heaven above. He is going to come upon you and visit you. His power will manifest in you in such a way that you will conceive in your womb the second person of deity. Wow. Can you imagine the impact? And you recall... In Hebrews, when he came into the world, the Bible said that when he left, the glory rolled behind. He said, burn offering and sacrifice thou wouldest not, but a body you prepared for me. That's what he said while she was on earth saying, be it unto me. Hypostatic union takes place in her womb. God himself visited her in such a powerful way that she conceived the Son of God. 15 years old. Number four, she was available. Look at uh, Luke 1.38. We'll use this verse a couple of times. Just the first part. Mary responded. Um, this is kind of tricky here, angel. I don't know if um, this makes any logical sense to me. Isn't that what she said? Mm -mm. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. 
I am the Lord's servant is the first part of this. In other words, this is why I live. I am available to be used of the Lord any way he chooses or he sees fit. I can put my life on hold, my plans on hold, my purposes on hold. I am surrendered totally to what God has in store for my life, is what she said. I am available. Sometimes people say, well, I don't have a lot of ability. But God doesn't concern himself with that. He wants your availability. And if we have availability, he'll give us ability. We know that. Remember Moses when he said, but I can't talk in front of people. I stammer. I stutter, right? And, of course, God was just so taken by that because he didn't know that. When God called him from the burning bush and he said, I want you to go do this. He's, oh, I forgot. Oh, you're, yeah, you're Moses and you stammer and you stutter and you can't speak. I should have called somebody else. He didn't do that, did he? No, what he said was this. Who made your mouth? Glory. Uh, you did. All right, I can fix it too. So just sit back and do what I'm telling you to do. We can have all kinds of excuses as to, you know, why I can't be used of God. But you know what? If you make yourself available, he'll use you. And he will empower you to do what he wants to do through you because he'll give you the ability that you need to do it. And so he's looking for ability at any cost, no matter what. If you're available, he'll do it. And listen to what it would have cost her, possibly. Number one, she could have lost Joseph her husband. You realize that? Here's a young girl. I mean, she's having a wonderful life. She's getting married. She's a spouse. She got married. It will consummate probably uh, maybe a year down the road or whatever. We don't know how long it was going to be. But she's on a high. She's excited. She's thrilled by all this. And all of a sudden, someone throws a wrench in it all and says, you're going to conceive in your womb the Son of God. But oh my goodness, I'm married. Joseph. Oh, I know. I'll just go tell Joseph that I didn't know a man. I'm just pregnant. It was an accident. I, I don't think so, Mary. That's not going to go over too well with Joseph. And so Joseph has a plan. He's going to put her away. He's going to divorce her because why? What other explanation is there? Mary didn't know that there was going to be a dream. He, she didn't know that Joseph would be told by the angel of the Lord to go ahead and marry her. But she made her decision. She made her choice, making herself available to God, setting aside her plans, knowing that she could lose her husband. Why? Because she was dedicated to God and put him first. Now, secondly, she could have been publicly criticized and ostracized. That could have very easily happened. A woman in her condition, a young girl in her condition being pregnant. Can you imagine publicly how that would go over? She could have been absolutely attacked by all her friends, all her peers and all that. Ridiculed, made sport of and shamed and everything else. But she wasn't concerned about herself. She was concerned about giving herself to God in surrender to his will so that he could use her the way he wanted to use her. And then finally, we know that she could have been possibly stoned to death because... What was the consequences of immorality as far as adultery was concerned? And that's what it would have been is what? A death sentence. She could have been stoned to death. 
So when you really look at her and you think about the choices and decisions that she made and you think about how she freely gave of herself and set aside her own wants, desires, goals, aspirations, dreams, and all that to do God's will, what an amazing individual. And even at that, she was only 15 years old and made that decision that that's how I will live my life. What an amazing example and role model for all teenagers to say, hey, I'm putting God first in my life and I'm going to give him myself to do with me as he pleases, no matter what that means as far as my life is concerned. As a young woman to set up a, a boundary line and say, I will not cross over this boundary line. This is who I am. This is my moral character. This is how I will live my life. I will be in surrender to God. I'm his handmaid. As the King James says, I am his servant and I will do what he asks of me, no matter what it is or what it, how it affects my life. Next one. She was a woman of faith. And absolutely, this just blows me away. Look at that verse again in Acts 138 from the King James Version. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid or the servant of the Lord. Be it unto me according to the laws of biology. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. What a declaration. What a statement she has made. I want it done in my life according to the word of God. And you know what? I know reason says this is impossible. I know that logic says this is impossible. But faith is not based on reason or logic. Faith is based on what thus saith the Lord. What has God said about the situation? If God says something about the situation, you know what? All we have to do is believe it and it will come to pass. Now you think about her being that young and you think about someone named Sarah and Sarah was not that young. She was a lot more seasoned than Mary and she was told you're going to have a child in your old age. And what did she do? Did she say, beat unto me according to thy word? Uh, uh. She said, go get Hagar. Well, why would you say that? Because she didn't believe it. Abraham, same thing. Really? Come on now. We're going to have a child. This, And what did they do? They tried to help God out over the years. And as a result, had a child with, with Hagar, Ishmael, and so on. But here's this young girl who doesn't even flinch at it. Be it to me according to your word, your will for my life. I embrace it. I'll take a hold of it. I'll be responsible for it. That's what I want in my life. So you got Sarah, you got Abraham, then you've got Zacharias, John the Baptist's father. Oh, he's been praying for this, and the angel Gabriel comes and just says, Your prayers have been heard, Zacharias, your wife's going to have a baby. What? Isn't that something? He answers the prayer, and, and, and then he goes, What? Uh-uh, uh-uh. What are you talking about? How, we're old. Here he is so negative that what does God have to do? Silence him. Do you know that this, we, he should have made it with a zipper. Wouldn't that have been neat? And he silenced him for how long? Until he was born. So he would be named John. 
Why? Because he would interfere with all his doubt, negativity, and unbelief as far as what God wanted to do. And so he wasn't like Mary either, even though he was operating as a priest in that office of a priest in the things of God. Yet this young peasant girl, 15 years old, beat unto me according to thy word. And then, of course, you've got others like Gideon and Hezekiah. See, faith does not depend on sense evidence. Faith goes beyond sense evidence and says, God says something that overrides sense evidence. I will believe God above my senses. I'll believe God above reason. I'll believe God above logic. Right? Gideon. Okay, we get 135,000 men you got to defeat. How many you got? Nowhere near that. Maybe about 20-some thousand, 22,000, whatever. Well, let's reduce it down to 300. There's too many. Okay, how do I know it's you? Can I throw a fleece out? I want some proof. I want a sign. I want some evidence. I want. Hezekiah says to Isaiah, how do I know God will heal me? Well, what do you want him to do for you, Hezekiah? Would you want the sun thou shall to go ahead or go back? Well, it's nothing to go ahead, but to go back would be miraculous. We're talking about these grown men standing in offices, a king, and etc., etc., etc. And you got this little peasant girl that just says, Well, what's the deal here? I'm going to have a baby? And I don't know a man? God's going to do this? Okay, be it done to me according to your word. Just like that. Believes God. It takes knowing God to get to a place of faith like she did. And she was quick to respond and say that, look, I want God's word, God's will done in my life, and that's it. So it took all these others signs. All these others had to be, let's say, satisfied in their senses. We should be like Mary. Be it done to me according to your word. Next, she was a woman of worship. Notice here in Luke 1, 46 through 49, a woman of worship. She wasn't a whiner. She was a worshiper. Mary said, my soul does magnify the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. He hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all, all generations, isn't that true, shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. She bursts out into song, and she bursts out into worship, and she says, I am giving myself to the Lord my God, my creator, and he's done great things in my life. Well, if we want great things, then we need to have the same kind of attitude that she had in her life, that I am here to serve God, surrender to God, I will honor God, I will make decisions as I think them through according to God's word, so that in my life, I can be the person that God wants me to be, whether it's a teenager, whether it's a young uh, adult or whether it's a wife or a mother. I want to be what God wants me to be. And so I'm going to be a true worshiper of God. Now, you think about the Israelites in Numbers 14 to here. You have the the opposite. They, too, were told great things. They, too, were told there's a promised land. They, too, were told you're going to have a place that is filled with milk and honey. And you're going to just have a wonderful life where God will be your God. God will stand against your enemies. He will defend you, fight for you, and so on. Take sickness away from the midst of you. Fulfill the number of your days. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? Yeah, that's full of faith, isn't it? 
Well, what a faith talk he gave them right there. Seriously? This young girl at the drop of a hat says, okay, I know it's not biologically possible. I know that's not how children are conceived. But it doesn't matter to me. If you said God said it, then God said it. You came from the throne of God. I accept that. I receive that. I believe that. So let's do it. That's how God wants us to respond to his word as if an angel came and brought it to us and just said, this is for you. That's how faith works. So she worshiped. These others, instead of worshiping, they were whining. They were complaining because there's something that they might have to do. Stand up against an opposition or opposing force. We all got to do that. Number seven, she was a humble servant. Look at, once again, Luke 1 and 38. And Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, the handmaid, the servant of the Lord. I am here to serve God. You know, Will often talks about serving, servitude. How are we going to serve God with our lives? And the thing is, it's not just about being born again, being saved, being filled with the Holy Ghost. It's about serving God faithfully all the days of our life as we live upon this earth. She was submissive. She was obedient to do God's will. She was humble in spirit, willing to sacrifice anything and everything to accomplish the purpose of God in her life. And don't we need more young people growing up with attitudes like that today? And don't we recognize the need for us, all of us, to say, I need to revisit my own commitment to God, my own life, and say, hey, am I that on fire for God as I was when I first got saved? Or have I grown cold in my Christian faith and experience? Do I really want everything that God really wants for me to have? And am I willing to sacrifice whatever it takes so that I can have that in my life? I want myself, in other words, to be filled with and overflowing with the power and the greatness and the goodness of Almighty God so I can be a blessing everywhere I go. She was, number eight, a devoted mother. John 19, look at this. And this, if it doesn't speak volumes to us about Mary the mother. Wow. Let's read it. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto this, his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his home. Did we maybe forget a little bit about what Jesus was going through when he made those statements? When he said those words? He wasn't having a good day, was he? But who's he thinking about? His mother. And who would be her caregiver in his absence? So as he is dying and suffering, the horrific suffering that he suffered... His tribute to his mother is, man, you have been there for me. You took care of me when I was born. You brought me to the synagogue for learning. You supported me in the craziest of situations. When they ridiculed me, mocked me, and all that, and made fun of me, and sport of me, and everything else, even when my own brothers turned their backs on me and thought I was a lunatic, Mom, you were always there for me. When I went down to Via Dolorosa, carrying my cross to Calvary, you were right there looking at me with tears in your eyes. I'm leaving you, and I know it. And you need someone to care for you. His father probably was already deceased. Mom, John's going to take care of you. I may have, he may have talked about that with him maybe before I don't know but John there's your mother take care of her what a tribute in his dying moments he is so concerned and focused on her help 
her being helped. And finally, and this is some, one of the last things here. Look at the next one. She was spirit-filled. She was filled with the Holy Ghost. She had a taste of it when the Holy Ghost came on her and she conceived in her womb. But she was filled with the Holy Ghost. Look at Acts chapter 1. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. It doesn't matter how prosperous you are. It doesn't matter how intelligent you are or I, are, that, that I am. It doesn't matter, let's say, how strong physically we are. It doesn't matter what resources we have, what influences we have, where we come from, our background, whether we're big in politics or whatever else. It does not matter who, what, where, when, why, or how. What matters is we can't do it in our own strength, no matter what it is. It takes the power of the Spirit of the living God to anoint us from on high to accomplish the work of God and to fulfill the purpose of God for our lives, no matter who we are. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 13 and 14, when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James and the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. Notice only one's mentioned her name. And who? And Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So where are they? In the upper room, in one what? Honda Accord. They were all there. And in Acts chapter 2, it's a little bit of my father in me. Acts chapter 2, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they and the mother of Mary were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, suddenly there came from heaven a, a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the room where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them clothed in tongues like as a fire that sat upon each of them. And they were all, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost and spake. They began to speak with other tongues except Mary. I grew up in a religion where Mary was highly exalted and never was told she spoke in tongues and she was Pentecostal. Who would have thunk? Right? Who would have thought? And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a Pentecostal. She was the original Pentecostal. She was in the original upper room. She was with other hungry hearts in an upper room waiting for God to do what he said he was going to do. Jesus would send the promise of the, of the Father, which was the Spirit of God, to come upon them and to empower them. With power from on high, dunamis, miracle-working power to make them effective in what? Reaching the world with the life-changing truths of the gospel. Initiated by God himself. And what happened? She was there. And listen, the first woman, Eve, she brought sin into this world. But the second one, praise God, Mary, she brought sin solution into the world. She brought the Savior into the world. And she restores the dignity that was lost by Eve in the very beginning. So Mary, hats off to you, praise God. Hats off to you as the ideal role model for every teenager, every single woman, 
every wife and every mother on this planet. What an allegiance we owe to someone so dedicated to do what God wanted her to do with her life. Let's all stand together before the Lord. I like.